I built a business making $300,000 a year in college, and I started with zero knowledge and zero money. Here's exactly how I did it so you can steal my playbook. That's coming up right after this. If you love the podcast, I'm going to ask you today for the same thing I ask you every single week. Leave a rating, leave a review, but more importantly, tell your friends. Share this podcast with anybody who might get some value out of it. Of course, follow me on social and get on my newsletter at johndavids.com. And now let's get to the show. You're listening to Making It with John Davids. So let's rewind to 2003. I'm a kid who loves entrepreneurship and I have a knack for marketing. I've always loved entrepreneurship. Even when I was a kid in the 90s, I was the guy shoveling snow around my street. I had a paper route. I was always hustling, always trying to figure out ways to make money and creative ways to make money. It helped, honestly, that I didn't have a lot of money growing up. I wanted money. I always wanted to be rich. So I started early on just figuring out the mechanics and the DNA of money. So naturally, in 2003, I was in college and I started an internet company. Now, it was an online magazine, basically a fancy blog. Now, I didn't have a background, by the way, in internet or digital. I wasn't a coder. I wasn't a software developer. But I had some friends who were, and I knew just enough to be dangerous. I knew just enough that I could have a web developer make me a website and I knew that he wasn't going to BS me because I could sort of speak the language. Even though I wasn't a developer myself, I had just enough of that HTML ninja skills to be able to do it. And these days, my web development is still limited to HTML. I'm like, I'm still stuck in 2003. That's okay though. I got a lot of people who do it for me these days. So to get this business off the ground, I had to figure out three things. It's an online magazine. So three things I needed to figure out were how to create content, how to build an audience to go see that content, and how to make money. All right, let's dig into each of these three things, and I'll tell you how I did it. So the first thing was content. I know that I'll need a lot of content, okay? It's 2003, I'm sitting there thinking about it. I don't wanna be the guy that actually makes the content. I don't wanna sit there and write articles and make videos and all that kind of stuff. So I think, okay, how am I gonna make this content and do it in a way that is replicable, scalable, I can produce whatever, 10, 20, 30, 40 pieces of content every week. So in terms of the topic, I decided to go with lifestyle articles, articles on travel, pets, fashion, relationships, that sort of thing. The reason I went with that topic and that subject matter was A, I knew a bit about it. I was raised with three sisters, so I kind of knew Cosmo Magazine, Us Weekly. I kind of, I had a feel for the, the language of what women read and, and you know men read, but it was more female lifestyle. And I knew that the content was evergreen. So I wouldn't need to create news content, meaning the content didn't need to be timely. I didn't need to be on top of things like, oh, this happened, let's write an article about it. And also the content would be reusable. So I liked the idea that I could have an article written today and I could actually republish that article in two months or six months or nine months and it would be fine. Nobody would remember really that that article existed in the first place. So those were the two reasons I went with evergreen content. So now I'm thinking I just need writers who can write this stuff. Now, obviously I have no money. I got no money to pay any writers. So how do I get writers? 
I reach out to my school's journalism department and I ask if they'll send an email to all the students telling them that there's a publication looking for writers. Now, here's an interesting thing. In universities, colleges, big companies, they have a thing called a listserv. And some of you might have heard of this before. I had never heard of it. I still don't exactly know what it is. But a listserv, from what I understood and what I understand now, is basically an email that you can send to an entire department. So in this case, they had a listserv that went to all 3,000 students in the English department, the students taking journalism and literature and English language. So they said they will send an email out to all the students announcing this. And honestly, guys, how did I get them to do that? I went to the receptionist in the English department at the registrar's office for the English department, and I just asked. I literally just said, hey, I'm a student here. I'm doing this thing. Can you do it for me? Sometimes people look at this story and there's more, there's more to this story. You'll hear it over the next few minutes, more examples of this. But sometimes people hear my origin story and they say, okay, but how did you get them to do this, John? How did they do that, John? And the answer is I literally just asked. And sometimes I asked once, and sometimes I asked a thousand times, as you'll hear in a minute. This time, I think I asked once, and she said, sure. They agreed to send out this email saying, hey, new publication, online magazine, looking for writers. Within a couple hours, I get 100 applicants. I hire 10 of them. They're all students who have writing samples. They say, yeah, I can write. I say, great. I hire them. I say, I'll pay you if I can ever afford to pay you, if I, if I ever make money at this. Right now, it was just a, a blog for a hobby. They said, sure. They didn't care. They were happy to just have the experience. And I had one of the writers that I hired, one of the students, as the editor of the blog. And her job was to, every week, collect all the blog posts from the other writers edit them, proofread them, and post them on my website. So I literally had the whole writing operation taken care of, and it didn't cost me a penny. It was all volunteer writers, and I had someone actually managing all those writers. I had an operator managing them. So that was a really, really nice start to this whole story. It gets harder, I promise you, but that first part was actually kind of smooth. The next thing I needed to do was, of course, build a website because this online magazine wasn't going to exist if I didn't have a website for it to live on. So these days, that would be pretty simple to do because you have tools like WordPress and all kinds of tools to make it really simple to build an online magazine. But essentially, if you have a blog post back in 2003, there's not a whole lot of ways to have a beautiful website spun up. So if you have like a, an online magazine, you need something called a content management system or a CMS. Think about it like a place to upload every article and make sure that there's a picture, an image with every article and that every article has an author attached to it and that every article can be scheduled so that this article can be published on Tuesday and this article is published on Wednesday and that article is published on Friday. And when this article is published, it, it shows up on the homepage. And so you need a CMS to do all this stuff. And there was nothing off the shelf back in 2003 that would do this. So let me tell you how I hacked it. There was a website back in the day called guru.com, G-U-R-U.com. I actually have no idea if this thing still exists. I'm going to check it out as I talk to you guys. Let me see if guru.com still actually exists. So guru.com does exist. I literally haven't gone to the site in so, so long. And these days, you have Upwork, you have Fiverr. There's a whole lot of sites where you can get freelance work done. Back in the day, Guru was like the only player in town. So I went to Guru, and I put an ad up on Guru saying, 
hey, I'm looking for someone who can build a website, build a content management system, and it has to do this and this and this. I gave the specs and I have no money, but I'll afford, I'll pay whatever I can. And uh, had a guy, had a bunch of you know people apply and I had one guy, can't remember his name right now, but I had one guy who said he would do it and he was based in China and we negotiated and negotiated. And basically he said he would build me this content management system that I needed for $100. Now think for a second, this is 2003. In 2003, web development, software development, website development was so expensive. It cost a fortune. So the fact that I got this guy to do it for a hundred bucks, I went through a lot of people who wanted to charge me $4,000, $10,000, $20,000 to do this. I got a guy to do it for a hundred bucks. That took a lot of grind and a lot of hustle and a lot of just asking, asking, asking. So sometimes it's not as easy as one ask. You got to ask a hundred times and you can get it done. So that's how I got my website built. Took about two weeks and he actually built it to spec. So if anybody out there is old enough to remember, the website library that he used was called PHP Nuke. And that's the software, I don't even know what this means exactly, but that's the library that he used to build the content management system that ran my first website, all right? So I got that website bill, cost me a hundred bucks. So now I have writers to make content. I've got a website to host this stuff on. And I literally have only spent a hundred dollars at this point and a whole lot of my time. My time is okay though, because I'm in college. What's my time worth? Nothing. So let's move on to the next thing I had to do, which is I had to find an audience to read all my content. So there is no Instagram, there's no TikTok, there's no YouTube. Google existed, but Google wasn't very helpful back then. So the biggest sites in the world at the time on the internet were called MSN, AOL, and Yahoo. And I needed to get my content seen on those sites. But how was I gonna do that? All right, if you went to those sites back in the day, probably if you still go today, they're not as big as they were, but if you went to msn.com, which was the biggest website, or maybe yahoo.com was the biggest, but MSN was like number two or three, if you go to the homepage, you would see news from the New York Times, you would see sports from ESPN, you would see articles from The Economist and Cosmopolitan and People Magazine and Time and you know just like news publications, newspapers, magazines, and there was content on there. So I thought, I wanna get my stuff stuff on there. Because I'd imagine if you're on the homepage of MSN, you're going to get a lot of traffic. You're going to get very famous. So I spent about two months hunting down the name of the guy who ran content for MSN. And at the same time, I was looking for the name of the person that ran content for Yahoo and AOL. But after about two months, I found the name of the guy who ran content for MSN. Let's call him Stan. And I sent Stan an email and I said, hey, I've got this blog and I'd love to know if I can take my content and post it to MSN. And after a few emails, Stan gets back to me and he politely explains that the content that you see on msn.com comes from the New York Times, ESPN, not my nobody, nothing website, garbage loser website. It's of course what he meant to say, but I'm not, I'm not talking to some kid. Now he, he didn't know that I was some, you know, 18 year old kid or 20 year old kid at the time. He, he didn't know who I was, but he wasn't going to take a cold email to make content for msn.com. That's just not what they did. So I say, okay, fine. Email him back. Fine. I think I actually got him on the phone too, a couple times, but anyways, for the next six months, I emailed this guy every single week. Let me repeat. 
I email Stan every single week. What did I send him? Well, I sent him ideas for content that he could post to MSN, sent him suggestions from my website. I sent him stats for how good our content was doing. It was probably mostly lies because our content wasn't doing well at all. I had no audience. I sent him sample articles. Hey, here's some stuff we can post to your website, blah, blah, blah. I was relentless and he totally, totally ignored me. All right, so here I am, months and months have gone by. I have writers putting articles on my website every single day, but the only people reading those articles are like the friends and family of the writers and of me because nobody knows, right? How do you find out about a blog? Like, I think we had maybe, you know, 50 readers a week. It was like nothing, nothing, nothing. So I wasn't gonna be able to sell any advertising to advertisers. I wasn't gonna be able to build any kind of business if I didn't have an audience. So I'm feeling a little bit depleted at this point, not gonna lie, but I remember it was a Tuesday morning and I checked my inbox and I find an email from Stan. Quick break so I can tell you about DemandScope. DemandScope is a performance marketing agency that helps you acquire new customers, keep them hooked, and scale profitably. Google ads, Instagram ads, TikTok ads, landing pages, email, and more. There are so many ways to get customers today, but if you're not doing it right, you'll end up blowing a whole bunch of money. And that's why I launched DemandScope. We're here to make sure you're doing it right. Get more customers today and scale effectively. Learn more at demandscope.co. That's demandscope.co. And Stan tells me that MSN is launching a pet section and they need content right now because I'm guessing probably what happened is they had an advertiser come in like Purina or Nestle came in and said, hey, we want to advertise next to pet content. You know, we want to pay you a million dollars. Do you have pet content that we could advertise next to? And someone on the MSN sales team probably said, oh crap, we need pet content so I can sell this ad deal. And then Stan emails me and says, hey, John, do you have pet content? And I said, how many pet articles do you need? Now, at this point, I don't think we had any pet articles. I don't think we launched pets yet. And he says to me, we need like 20 articles and I need them this week. And I said, hell yeah, I can give you that. And Stan says, how much is that gonna cost, John? And I said, nothing. Here's what I want, Stan. I want my brand name on every article that I give you. So when somebody clicks on the website and they see, you know, this article is by, I want them to see in the byline, the name of my website. And I want related links at the bottom of the articles. So think about it like this. There's an article, you go to msn.com, you see an article, you know, here's 10 cute puppy photos, like a BuzzFeed style story, right? That's, that's the stuff we did. Here's 10 cute puppy photos. You click on that, you see 10 photos and, and descriptions of these dogs. And then afterwards, there's related articles and it might say like, which dog is for you? Or 10 things you need to know about golden retrievers. And a lot of people would click on those related links and they would all take you back to my website. That's what I wanted Stan to do because I wanted a fire hose of traffic. That's what I needed. So I told Stan, hey, this content will cost you nothing. I'll give it to you all for free. All I want is related links back to my website. And what did Stan say? Done, let's do it. So we sent him 20, I got in touch with my writers so fast, we sent them 20 articles in no time. I think it took us three days. And one week later, my content, my article went up on MSN and it was up on the MSN homepage. And within hours, we got so much traffic. Let me tell you what happened. I was at a friend's house for dinner back in college. And I remember getting a phone call from a buddy of mine who 
did the web hosting for me. So my web hosting, what you paid like eight bucks a month and you had your website up on this web hosting service. And we went from getting, like I said, 50 visitors a week. I think we were getting 50 visitors a second. Maybe it was 500 visitors a second. We got thousands and thousands of people every single minute coming to the website. And we were absolutely going gangbuster. And I got a phone call saying, you got to get onto another server because we can't handle your traffic, John. Anyways, that was a whole other problem. I ended up switching servers, took me the whole weekend. But anyhow, now I had traffic. I had an audience. So I had content. I had a website. I had an audience. Guys, I need one more thing. I need my money. So what did I do? The next day, I signed up for Google AdSense and pasted that JavaScript on my site, the most profitable four lines of code ever written. And just like that, I was making $822 every day, baby, every day. $300,000 a year business. I built it in college. That is exactly how I did it. And you know what? It was $300,000 that first year. I made a lot more money after that. And I ended up selling that company about four or five years later, sold the company, of course, took the cash flow distributions as it was going, and then sold the company a few years later. That is how I did it. And here's the best part of all. I'm going to break down a few strategies that I used then, and I still use to this day that you can steal from me. Let's do it. All right, so the first thing I want to talk about here is this concept of arbitrage. Arbitrage is probably a word you've heard before. You may have heard it in the context of audience arbitrage or traffic arbitrage or just arbitrage as a business model on its own. So arbitrage is, in my own terms, layman's terms, it's getting something for cheap and selling it for more expensive. It's figuring out that difference, that money in the middle, the margin, the juice that you can take for yourself. And arbitrage is incredibly important in any kind of business because you obviously have to sell something for more than you buy it for. But taking that one step further, what was I arbitraging here? What, what was the arbitrage that I was running in this business? I was running an audience arbitrage. So I figured out a way to get audience, to get eyeballs, to get web traffic, to come to me for cheap. And I figured out a way to sell it for more money. Okay, let's break that down a little further. So where was the audience coming from? Well, I created articles. Remember, I had this writing team that was making articles, right? Putting it on my website. I was giving a whole bunch of articles over to msn.com. They were putting those articles on their site and then putting related links back to my site. And when people came back to my site, I had, again, more articles that they would be interested in reading. So I was getting thousands, let's just say in the average week, we had, I don't know, 50,000, 100,000 people coming over to our website. So I had 100,000 people coming over to our site. And then how was I making money off them? I had Google AdSense running. So the Google Ad AdWords are basically Google running ads on your site contextually based on what's on the page. So for example, if the article is about beauty products, here's seven beauty products for the summer, you'd have ads for L'Oreal and for CoverGirl and for Revlon and all the other makeup companies would advertise. And I didn't have to do any work because Google just put those ads on my site. Google sold all the advertising and I just put the ad on my site. And then every time someone clicked one of those ads, which happened a lot on my site, I'd get paid. And I don't know exactly what it was because Google, Google just sent a check, but maybe it was like 20 cents a click and Google took 
probably a 60-40 split. Again, they, they were very opaque with this whole thing. So I have, actually have no idea what the economics were like. I just knew, hey, I, I get a check for $17,000 this month. And maybe Google kept 25000 and gave me 17000 So that's how that that's how the economics worked. So I was figuring out how to get traffic to me for nothing, right? For free, basically. It wasn't totally free because I was paying the writers at this point. I had some server costs. I think I was paying three or 400 bucks a month in my server costs because I had a lot of traffic. And then I was making, let's say, $15,000 or $20,000 in a month. So here I am figuring out how to monetize this audience in a way that was really creative. Now, the reason I want to talk about arbitrage here a little more closely is because the arbitrage opportunity that you can pick can be good or it can be bad. And this is something I learned early on. If you think about that arbitrage that I was running, getting traffic for basically free, although I had some fixed costs, and then monetizing it for a lot of money, right? Every time someone clicks, the traffic is mine for free and it's yours for 20 cents. That click is mine for free and it's yours for 20 cents. It's yours for 30 cents. That's a great arbitrage because I know that every single person that comes onto my website, it doesn't matter who they are. I don't care if they're 20 years old or 80 years old or black or white or gay or straight or they live in the US or they live in China or they live in Mexico. It makes no difference to me. Everyone who comes to the website is worth something. So I have no wastage there and I'm able to monetize them well because of these clicks. That's a great arbitrage. I'll tell you what would have been a crappy arbitrage. A crappy arbitrage would have been for me to try to sell them something like, hey, here's a product that I have, which I have to make and pay for and manufacture and ship out. And I'm going to sell it to you for, I don't know, 30 bucks and maybe one out of every 200 or 1,000 people are going to buy this product. That would have been labor intensive for me. It would have been much, it would have been a lot of waste because a lot of people who come to the site wouldn't have been able to buy anything. And it just wouldn't have been as clean in that model. Now, you could have said, well, yeah, but we, but we want to build an e a big e-commerce company. So here's how we're going to do it. We're going to use the audience here. We're going to build it up. I just found a really good way to monetize that audience in a way that was very high margin and easy for me. So the kind of arbitrage you're running in your business, which is just a fancy way of saying, what's your business model? What's your... What's your profit model? What's your revenue model? How are you actually making money? And is it the best way to make money? Because I got to tell you guys, a lot of the time I talk to businesses, I'll talk to entrepreneurs, and the discussion is around, okay, what are you doing? Who's your customer? And what are you selling them? And right there in that very first part of the conversation, it's like, well, that's garbage though. That's not the best way to make money, right? You're focusing on A when you should focus on B, or you're trying to sell a lot of this stuff when everyone's asking you for that stuff. So figuring out, listening to your audience, looking at what you have that is valuable to other people, even if it's not valuable to you. And that's the other thing. You could have looked at my audience back then and said, John, you just have this fire hose of traffic coming from MSN, coming to your website, and there's tons of them. And what's the value there? The value is, well, I don't know. Well, to me, the value was every one of these people can click on an ad. And every time someone clicks on an ad, I get paid a quarter. And so those quarters really add up. 
just figuring out what is the value you have and what is the best way for you to maximize that value is something that people don't pay enough attention to. So I really, really think you need to focus on what is the arbitrage you're running. And I got to tell you, over the years, I figured out some pretty unique arbitrages. I talk about them all the time in my newsletter, on social, here on YouTube, my podcast. And so that's something you got to focus on if you're starting a business or if you want to make your business better. All right, another thing I want to get into is the idea that you need permission somehow to do something, to contact somebody, to get over a hump. You know, back in the day, like I mentioned to you, I needed writers, so I got in touch with the writing department or the English department at my college. I wanted my tr- my content to be on MSN, so I hunted and I dug and I found the guy who ran content for MSN, and then I, I berated him. I contacted him endlessly for months and months until he paid attention to me, until he needed me, right? I created that relationship. I created that demand until he needed me. I feel like people will look at obstacles in business, especially in the early stages or if they haven't done it before, and they'll say, oh, well, I just, I can't do this or this doesn't work or this isn't the way to go. And at the end of the day, I gotta tell you, a lot of the time with me, it's been brute force. It's been, this is a hard way to do it. Yeah, but if we do it a thousand times, it'll work. Or, hey, you know, this doesn't usually work, but if we try it for a year, it should work. And people say, well, wanna try that for a year? You want me to do that every day for a year? And my answer is, yeah, do it every day for a year and, and it'll work. Well, but I don't wanna do that. Well, if you don't wanna do it, that's fine, but someone's gonna do this every day for a year and it's gonna work for them. So why not have it be us? And this has worked for me in so much. You know, The guy who's willing to work harder, the gal who's willing to just put in more hours to get the thing done, which is really important, especially at early stages. You, know, you can say, well, if you have lots of experience, you have a Rolodex, you have relationships, you can get things done in one phone call. And believe me, I can do that today for lots of reasons. I'm able to get a lot of things done that I would have loved to do back then, took forever, that I can do a lot easier today. But if you're starting out, don't kid yourself. You need to put in a lot of work and a lot of hustle. And I don't just mean starting out as in you're young in business. I mean, you're starting out in whatever new venture. You could be 40, 50, 60 years old, but if you're starting something new and you need to put in the work and the effort, you can't expect it to just come to you because you have experience somewhere else. So I think just putting in the hours has really helped me get things done that a lot of other people told me and certainly told themselves, oh, that's not going to happen because it's just, it's not done like that. Believe me, you put in enough grind, enough hustle, you can get things done. You know, guys, I built four more companies, going on five more companies. I've invested in businesses. I'm, I'm actually now starting to partner with other people because I, I don't really want to operate more companies. I want to I wanna be in a position to do what I do best, uh, not necessarily operate on the day-to-day. But I got to tell you, the skills that I learned back, just figuring out as I went along, building my first company, I was very lucky that I was able to actually make money and eventually sell the company for not not a lot of money, but certainly more than nothing. I was very lucky that I was able to do that. But even if that had not happened, even if I wasn't able to make money, even if it had just been an experience that I did for a year or two, I learned so much in that process. Think about it. I figured out how to how to build a website in 2003 with no web coding skills. I figured out how to get labor to do something for me when I had no money. I figured out how to get somebody to put my 
content on their website to, to actually, he didn't need me. This guy had the New York Times and ESPN and everybody else at his disposal, but I figured out a way that I could convince him something I could give that was a value to actually get that done. Those skills were invaluable and I know for sure they have helped me do way more as the years have gone by. If you want more content like this, get on my newsletter at johndavids.com. Let me know what you think. Get me on social and I will talk to you guys next time.